Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Future in Review podcast. I'm Barrett Anderson, the COO of Future in Review. Um, and for those of us who have never, those of you who have never heard of Future in Review before, we are a technology conference that The Economist has called the best technology conference in the world. We're focused on the future of technology and the global economy. And our next conference is coming up November 6th through 9th, 2023, in Rancho Palos Verdes, California, just outside of LA at the gorgeous Terranea Resort. Um, we also run the other arm of our business, Strategic News Service, is the world's most accurate source of predictive information and analysis about the future of technology and the global economy. So that informs a lot of what goes on at the conference. Um, and I'm here today with Caitlin Cameron, who is a longtime uh, friend of FIRE and FIRE attendee. She um, is the CEO of a company called Odonexus. And um, we are going to be talking today a little bit more about Odonexus and, and what it does, but also specifically the problem of antibiotic resistance and, and bacterial antibiotic resistance and viral antibiotic resistance. Um, so Caitlin, I'm wondering if you could tell me, so just off the bat, you know, you have mm -hmm. designed a really incredible technology actually for diagnosing middle ear infections. Um, mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more how, about how that works? What What is different about this tool than like what the doctor normally puts in your yeah. ear? Yeah, so this tool, exactly. This is all about antimicrobial resistance and AMR as we call it. Um, this tool that Odonexus has developed is specifically designed for middle ear infections, which happen to be the number one reason for antibiotics in kids. And it is the only technology in the world, the only tool in the world that can instantly differentiate a viral from bacterial infection inside the middle ear. Uh, which is incredibly powerful because uh, it turns out that middle ear infections are the number one reason for antibiotics in kids. And there's no technology and no tool, no technique today that can differentiate a viral from a bacterial infection. So the doctors pretty much have to kind of guess. And as a result, there's massive overprescription of antibiotics for middle ear infections in children. The CDC says hmm. we prescribe antibiotics 85% of the time for a middle ear infection. We should prescribe just 15% of the time. So our goal is to affect that difference, that huge overprescription of antibiotics, and bring it down to where antibiotics are used appropriately for middle ear infections, always used when they're needed and not when they're not needed, because the overuse of antibiotics, particularly in children, is incredibly important as it, it does um, uh, affect and contribute to AMR, antimicrobial resistance. And this is when the antibiotics, uh, the overuse of antibiotics causes a situation in which the bacteria can evolve around that antibiotic. And that is what the larger conversation for today is antimicrobial resistance. But a big impact, a way we can affect this is tools like this that can instantly identify when and when not to prescribe an antibiotic so that we can use those antibiotics judiciously and only when they are necessary. This is a tool that can have a big difference for kids as well as just society as a whole. So let's, let's, I want to take us a little bit of a step back and, and look at this from a patient perspective, right? If I am a parent, I have a child, mm -hmm. and I'm worried about, you know, my kid has an earache, let's say, mm -hmm. how many times does one need to be prescribed antibiotics starting from the beginning of one's life for AMR or antimicrobial resistance to emerge um, mm -hmm. within... I'm assuming that this is kind of an immune immuno response of some kind. Um, but please correct me if that's incorrect. And um, 
And like, what does that mean? You know, like, what are the side effects of that? Like, how will that play out negatively for for a child later on in their life? Yeah. So the the concept of antimicrobial resistance is broad, and of course, doesn't it isn't just about children. It's it's every yeah. time we use an antibiotic for any reason, in humans, in livestock, for any reason, the overuse of the antibiotics. The whole problem is that uh, bacteria are designed to evolve. And, right. and to protect themselves. So every time they're presented with, you know, an antibody that we develop in our bodies or, or an antibiotic, they're trying to evolve around it in order to ensure their own survivability. And as a result, they can evolve very efficiently. They're really, really good at it. Now with children, when we prescribe, over-prescribe antibiotics, what happens, first of all, is you've got the impact on the kid. You know, when you give an antibiotic to a child, you have side effects of, of diarrhea and nausea and all these other situations that put mm -hmm. the child potentially back into the doctor's office but also creates a situation where too many antibiotics, we know that if we prescribe an antibiotic too soon or too often, we suppress that child's natural uh, uh, antibiotic resistance or antibody development. And we suppress that child's ability to then fight the next infection because they haven't developed the antibodies they need for that fight. Okay. And so that means more antibiotics next time in order to fight again, and then more antibiotics the next time. So we're sort of predisposing that child to the next infection and the next and predisposing them to the need for more and more and more antibiotics over their life. Now, for us, this goal is to reduce antibiotics for kids and the impact on children's bodies, as well as societal uh, AMR, antimicrobial resistance, mm -hmm. just because of the volume of antibiotics that are used for this middle ear infection. Again, number one reason for antibiotics in kids. That if we can impact that volume, if we can affect the number from 85% down to 15%, we can affect the total number of antibiotic prescriptions in the United States in, in the world. And that has a significant impact. It addresses the broader issue that it's critically important in every use of antibiotics that we use. We are conscious about when we do and do not use antibiotics, that we consciously choose not to use them in situations where they cannot help. And that's, it's not just kids, it's everywhere. You know, we, right. we, we prescribe antibiotics for viral infections all the time. <clears throat> and I'm gonna toss out another thing that happens with kids as well as with adults, is when we do get an antibiotic prescription, um, you know, every time you get an antibiotic prescription, the doctor says to you, make sure you take all those pills, make sure you take them all. I don't know that we all recognize that that isn't just about ourselves. I would say that most people don't realize it isn't just about ourselves, that we want to take all of the antibiotics in order to get better, but we start feeling better after three or four days and we stop taking that antibiotic because our mind says, you know, antibiotics are bad. I shouldn't take more than I need. The problem is that what you've just done is added to AMR because yeah, you created- whatever, whatever still remains is then able exactly. to like itself kind of evolve and become stronger. Yeah. And then you can then give that to someone else. I yeah. never thought, I had never thought about it that way. That's a really good point. It's really important to take every one so you don't create the environment that helps those bacteria that didn't die from that antibiotic, that haven't yet been killed by that antibiotic, to evolve around the antibiotic that they've been exposed to, kids and adults. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, I think we all experienced during, like, you know, during this pandemic that we've all been going yeah. through, uh, people were afraid to go to the hospital because they didn't want to get something else. There was a, mm -hmm. you know, a, a little bit of an overprescription of antibiotics in many cases because people were afraid of people with weakened immune systems. And um, how did that affect the overall kind of like health landscape when it comes to microbial resistance, antibiotic yeah. resistance? Yeah, what we're seeing today actually scarily 
is actually worse than the worst case scenarios that we had understood previously. First of all, the, the bacteria are just evolving more quickly and more efficiently and more effectively. But secondly, during the, during the pandemic, the hospitals were overwhelmed with the crisis at hand, and a lot of the antimicrobial stewardship programs went to the side. Plus, we had overprescription, significant overprescription of antibiotics. And what we saw was an actually more rapid evolution of the bacteria and rapid increase in antimicrobial resistance. Uh, during the pandemic than we had in prior times. And so it was an incredibly bad time for so many reasons. But we're coming out of this pandemic now with an even worse problem on our hands in that antimicrobial resistance can have a far, far greater impact over time than COVID ever did. And this is what we're kind of, they call the silent pandemic Mm -hmm. because it's coming on us and we're not prepared and we're not in a good position to battle this in the future yet and we must put together better antimicrobial stewardship programs and follow them because they do work. There is good evidence that shows that when we have good antimicrobial stewardship programs in the hospitals and in the health community, that they do work. Tell me more about that. What is is an uh, antimicrobial stewardship program? Yeah, and you're seeing really some good guidelines coming out for the healthcare system and for all hospitals. And the CDC has put in place some guidelines, some rules and some programs. But what it's really about is a program in a hospital system, for example, that shows that they are paying attention to when they should and should not prescribe antibiotics. So up front, it's education of of individuals about when and when not to prescribe. It's tools to help them know, tools like this one, to help them Mm -hmm. know when and when not to prescribe, because today you don't know, you guess, you you don't do a good job guessing. Um, But also tracking, a tremendous amount of tracking that says, identifies, I gave an antibiotic at this time, here's the proof that it was appropriate this time, and then tracking over time are what is the number and what are the uses of these antibiotics. And when you put in place that kind of infrastructure to pay attention and track and manage and give the physicians and other healthcare providers the tools that they need to do a good job on antimicrobial stewardship, it does work. And you do see a reduction in unnecessary antibiotics and you do see a reduction in the speed of evolution of the bacteria. And so if I'm a doctor who maybe doesn't have access to that kind of training, are there places that I can go to find that out for myself? What, what are, where are the best resources that you've found? Yeah, there's actually a program, a program that the CDC has implemented called the first line program. And that's probably your first uh, place to go. And it has training and education and resources and references. And it's on the CDC website. And it's it's a good place to get started. Another really good place is the Infectious Diseases Society of America, the IDSA. Uh, has some tremendous um, information and references and uh, links that you can you can use. There's a lot of resources that are out there. All you got to do is is kind of dig around a little bit. And if I'm a patient, how do I know? Like, what are the questions that I should be asking my doctor to know yeah. whether you know are they thinking about like how are they thinking about antibiotics prescription? How do I know if they're taking that mm-hmm. into consideration or just kind of like knee jerk? Yeah, prescribing it. Yeah, it's a difficult thing, but it's really important that patients, all of us, every one of us, take ownership of antimicrobial resistance, antimicrobial stewardship, because we're the ones that really, really, really can make a difference. It's important that we, number one, ask the right questions 
and to if we decide that an antibiotic is appropriate along with our physician that we then use it appropriately like i said all the way to the end mm -hmm. there's a number of questions well, don't that you stop want to taking ask. your antibiotics before they're done number one <laughs> number two well, don't, don't take, number one is don't take them if they're not necessary ensure ask enough questions to be confident that your situation is really one that does in fact there are times that an antibiotic is absolutely appropriate and sometimes even really necessary right but they're a small percentage of the total of the times that we actually prescribe an antibiotic today so asking mm -hmm. those questions of the doctor says, you know, maybe an antibiotic is appropriate in this case. Ask, what causes you to believe that that is the case? What we have historically seen is that patients, particularly with kids and middle ear infections, a parent will say, you know, look, I got, I got to go to work. You just give the kid an antibiotic so I can, I can, you know, move, move on with my life. Or the child's screaming in pain. Please do something. Please do something. Yeah. And so the physician feels the pressure to give an antibiotic when, when it's not, when, when it's unknown. It's not that they right. know. They don't know. So the key is, or parents, to, you know, parents are want an answer, right? Like I think a lot of times they, people go into a, a doctor's appointment yeah. and they're like, well, what do I do about this? You know, what's the what answer? And so what an is, antibiotic yeah. is a thing that a doctor can prescribe to give a, a, a needy patient something that will satisfy that, that question. Yeah. And when you, and it, it's particularly when your child and it's your child that's screaming in pain, you want to do something, you want to do something, you don't know what it is. And unfortunately, right now, the, the, what the guidelines say is uh, send the child home. If we're not, if you're not sure that it's that really an antibiotic is necessary, do watchful waiting. It's one of the great things about tools like this. They can eliminate almost all cases of watchful waiting because how horrible is that? Go home. You don't know what, what is going to happen three days, five days, seven days later. If it's still not better, you, you go back for another antibiotic or another doctor visit, or you get a snap prescription. And that means, a, a, you know, a safety net antibiotic prescription. That means you got to make the decision for your child right. about whether or not you right. prescribe. So this, this pressure in the, the dynamic in, in the, for children is particularly tough because the parent wants an answer. And the doctor simply doesn't have today, doesn't have an answer tomorrow. They will. We need these kinds of tools everywhere because there's so much uncertainty in so many cases about whether or not an antibiotic is appropriate. Our product line expansion can, can add, uh, you know, a lot of in, in many different areas in the future, we will be applying this technology to many other applications, not just the middle ear, but it isn't just this tool there. We need more tools to help doctors know for certain when and when not to prescribe an antibiotic. So you, you all, you know, we've at FIRE have known, have watched you, your work for many years now. You've gone through this whole process of designing yeah. and building and revising and seeking testing yeah. and, you know, approval, clinical approval on what you're doing. Um, what are the other, so two questions, where do you think tools like this are most needed where they, that they don't already exist? Mm -hmm. And... Following on that, what advice would you give to those who are interested in developing tools in those spaces? Uh, yeah, two, th three things, cheap, fast, and easy. That's really, really <laughs> important, cheap, fast, and easy. And you need a decision while the child or the patient is still in the doctor's office. Mm -hmm. Today, the biggest way we have identifying whether an infection, any infection is viral bacterial is you take a sample, you send it off to a lab, and right. sometime in the future, you get an answer back. What we need are tools that are right at frontline primary care that are cheap, fast, and easy, and you know fit easily into the doctor's workflow. 
asking a doctor to learn something new or do something different is really challenging. Even though it's better medicine, it's really challenging. So we need tools that fit perfectly in their workflow and just make it easy. Um, and we need them at frontline care. Today, most of the tools we have are tests, lab tests, things that happen to give you an answer in the future. Tools like this mean that the pediatrician knows in two seconds or less what to do. Um, we need a lot more of that. And as people are developing these tools, it's really easy to get caught up in, you know, cool technology or something. Uh, it's got to be simple and straightforward, and it's got to be accurate. I should have added the fourth one really is accuracy. A very, very high level of accuracy is necessary, both for adoption and because for good patient care. That's what I would, would say spend your time on. Um, if you're going to develop a new technology for this, spend your time focusing on those things. And so this is just about anything else, by the way. It's not just antimicrobial resistance. It's it's any tool that improves patient health care and is used in primary care. Those things are going to be important. Yeah, I mean, we've all we've all had the frustrating experience of going to the doctor. You get the test done, and then when the test results come back, you get an email that yeah. says something very vague. Yeah. You don't have the opportunity to really ask questions. You know, you're like, what does this mean? You kind of have to interpret it for yourself. And then you're like, do I schedule a follow-up or, you know? So I, I, I yeah. yeah, it just, I can, I can absolutely imagine how much better that would make the patient yeah. and doctor relationship. So as for, okay. So, so the first part of that question we didn't quite get to, which is where, where are the other places where this is most needed? And when we're, you know, when we think about the future of, of uh, diagnosis, where should we, where are there places for expansion and, and innovation? Uh, it generally or, or about our technology, are you asking me? Specifically, I'm looking for interventions that would help um, deal with this problem of antimicrobial resistance, yeah, right? Like you. antibiotics use. Uh -huh. So it could be like cuts, maybe, in fact, mm -hmm. you know, that's yeah. So if you think about all the all the places that we use antibiotics today, you know, what are the, mm -hmm. the biggest uses of antibiotics? The first one is uh, respiratory infections, upper respiratory mm -hmm. infections. And that includes middle ear infections, of course, but sinus infections, uh, you know, respiratory tract, all of this is that's that's the biggest chunk of, of uh, antibiotic usage under that uh, UTIs, urinary tract infections and under that skin infections and soft tissue. So, okay. you know, you, you imagine this future world in which, uh, as as was once the case, where you get a cut on your skin, it could be life threatening or yeah. you get you know, a, 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 an infection in your lungs. You know, that's really, really very serious. Um, so all of these areas, that's kind of the, the key areas that we should start looking at. And it's very important to focus on primary care. We do. We have a lot of things that happen in secondary care and in, in, in follow up care and so forth. But I really believe that we need to focus on primary care and improving the frontline doctors, whether it's a pediatrician or a general practitioner or an urgent care facility, that that we can get really good answers on viral versus bacterial instantly in the office while the patient is still there so we can make good decisions. But also, uh, it's critically important that we focus on the follow-up and the tracking that I was talking about, the stewardship programs following on so that we don't have what we have today is very broken. You might go to an urgent care center for the first thing and to your primary care for the, you know, as a follow-up and are those right. connected? Do we have good tracking? Um, given, you know, those, those things, I'm going to tie this another piece. We often think about antimicrobial resistance as increasing deaths, which is absolutely true. 
there's there's a fear that by 2050, you know, we could be seeing 10 million deaths a year. That's just right around the corner, 10 million deaths a year as a result. Of Where are we virus. now? Um, it, we're about uh, one in 1.3 million a year. Okay, so a ten, basically almost a tenfold increase. Almost a tenfold increase. Yeah. But, but there's more to it than just death. And probably the bigger impact is not death, but in fact, infections. Uh, and, you know, you can go on the infectious diseases website and see all of these people's stories about MRSA and their, their, their difficulty in recovering from, a, from an infection caused by resistant bacteria. But imagine the day when just a little cut or some little thing that today we don't even think about, you know, <laughs> let's say that again. <laughs> something, something, yeah, say it again for the, I've got a ring light crashing down in the background. <laughs> And small pieces of stuff on the floor. You could get MRSA or your ring light could crash to the ground. <laughs> you could get MRSA. There was, a, there was a day and there will be a day again if we don't address this where very minor infections could be life-threatening or life-altering. And imagine you know, the people who are having their legs amputated, for example, because they got a, a MRSA infection that couldn't be treated. And the only way to, to treat it is amputation. Um, lung infections. These are. It's not just death. It's the effect on our er everyday lives, and the the fact that even small things that we take for granted today could turn into some something very large. Um, that it's critically important that we slow down antimicrobial evolution, hmm. so that we can allow time for new antibiotics to be developed and put on the market, so that we can continue to. It, it, let me tie this also to many of the advances of the last 100 years um, are very dependent on antibiotics. So surgeries like hip replacement surgeries, knee replacement surgeries, gastro surgeries, those, they're very dependent on antibiotics to prevent an infection in that major surgery. If we don't have antibiotics, what is the risk of that kind of surgery is an infection that potentially could be life-threatening. Yeah. So this is a, this is interesting because you know I think when most people think about the future of medicine they think about things mm -hmm. generally speaking getting better like we're getting better mm -hmm. at treating things we're getting better at you know you know we have a better understanding of how your body works and your personalized medical you know mm -hmm. all of this but what you're describing is really I think something that most isn't talked about much some yeah. people may be aware of it but the fact that we are on this trajectory to mm -hmm. almost return to where we were mm -hmm. when it comes to our ability to treat infections. Going way backwards, yeah. It's like this giant loop-de-loop -loop that we were going to go back all the way to, you know, the days yeah. of leeches. <laughs> Yikes. Well, you could take antibiotics or you could go for the leeches. Leeches worked pretty well last week. Yeah. Yeah, we we you, you've heard me say before, we have added more years to human life in the last 100 years than we have in all prior human history combined. That's that's amazing when you think about it. But one of the big contributors to that has been antibiotics mm -hmm. and their ability to put an end to, you know, infections that previously shortened life. Right. Uh, or allow surgery such we were just as we were just talking about the in, yeah. in, increase life or improve the quality of life. Um, 
So this is really a big deal and we, we have got to take it more seriously. We are not on a good trajectory, but it can be managed. And that's perhaps incredibly important is there are ways to slow the evolution of resistant bacteria. There are ways to manage this situation uh, on a regular basis. And we need some support on the other end where we need to support the uh, continued development of new antibiotics that can address bacteria, the currently resistant bacteria and the growth of the resistant bacteria. Well, Caitlin, thank you as always for your time. This has been a fascinating conversation. We are so proud to have you as a part of the FIRE community and we're so inspired by your work and I am very excited to hang out with you in a very beautiful location for a week and talk more about it's they're always great the FIRE conferences are amazing and so we're really looking forward to it as well thank you so much for your time and we will talk again soon all right my pleasure thank you Thank you.